the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The culmination of Christ's work here on earth, found in the Ascension, next on Abounding Grace. And again, we welcome you to today's broadcast of Abounding Grace as we continue our survey of Luke and our mini-series, on the Ascension of Jesus. This is part three of our mini-series. We're in Luke 24, verses 44 through 53. Understanding the, the extreme significance of this ascension for you and I as believers in Christ. The resurrection was the Father's amen to the Son's it is finished on the cross. What does that say about the ascension? Well, there's an awful lot here that we're mining the depths of. Join us. With this edition of Abounding Grace, here's Pastor Gary Wagner. Look at Luke twenty-four forty-nine, And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Jesus says, I want you to stay in Jerusalem because there is going to be an historical event take place. A once for all, unrepeatable, just as unrepeatable as the cross and as unrepeatable as the resurrection. There is going to be an unrepeatable historical event of global significance and eternal significance that is going to take place here in Jerusalem. And when it takes place, you are going to be clothed with power. That is, you are going to be given such power that will be completely adequate to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to the whole world, regardless of obstacles and regardless of resistance. No obstacle will be able to stand up against you. Do you understand that, beloved? All resistance will be melted down. I'm going to give you power that is greater than any power that will be used against you. You, beloved, he says, are going to be clothed with it. Beloved, get the imagery here. You are going to be clothed with power that no one can stop you in the preaching and witnessing of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that power with which you will be clothed is the promise that is going to be fulfilled there in Jerusalem. So stay, he tells them, until it happens. Now, what is his promise? Well, let's turn to Acts chapter 1. Of course, Acts also was written by Luke. There is an historical event that's going to take place. Be there, and you will be clothed with power from on high. Verse 1 of Acts chapter 1. 
The first account I composed, Theophilus, and that is, of course, the book of Luke, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, his ascension, and he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God and gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. So now here Luke is repeating what he actually said here at the end of the book of Luke. The Father made the promise, and he said it through me, he says. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And when they had come together, they were asking him, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or epochs, which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. And after he said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently in the sky while he was departing, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, whom who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Now look at Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. I'm going to read first verses 1 through 4, and then I'm going to switch over and read verses 13 through 17. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly they came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them them utterance. Verse 13. But others were mocking and saying, They are full of sweet wine. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judah! Judea, and all you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and give heed to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. There is the promise. And Luke is summarizing it in that, has summarized it in that one little verse in Luke 24. He says, here's the equipment. Here's what's going to make you adequate. Here is what's going to make you so clothed with power that no power and on earth will be able to resist you. The promise that God made through me that he was going to baptize his church with the Holy Spirit. He said, go to Jerusalem because that is where it's going to take place. And then you have the fulfillment of that promise in Acts 1 and 2, where the disciples were praying and the Holy Spirit is poured out upon them supernaturally, abundantly, miraculously. 
so that they start speaking in languages that they had never learned. Tongues of fire landed on their heads. All kinds of amazing things happening. The fulfillment of prophecy that the Holy Spirit would leave the lives of every one of God's people and make them effective. And what was the most important thing that day? What happened as a result of the filling of the Holy Spirit in the lives of these people? What was the most important thing that happened on the day of Pentecost? Was it speaking in tongues? No, that was just mentioned in one short little verse. Was it the fire coming down from heaven? No, that was from one little phrase. The most important thing that happened on the day of Pentecost was that a sermon was preached. If you look at Acts 2, it is mostly a sermon. Here you have this spirit empowered heralding of the word of God. And what happened as a result of the spirit empowered heralding of the word of God? 3,000 people were saved and baptized. You see, Luke is hinting at that in Luke 24. That's what he is pointing to. So when it happens, Jesus is saying, I told you, nothing, nothing can stop you. All the power on earth or in hell cannot stop the power of the kingdom of God through my heralds and through my witnesses. The gospel of Jesus Christ and of repentance will conquer the world. Oh, people will resist. Man will throw up every obstacle he possibly can. He'll exert all the power he has to keep the gospel from going out. But no man or nation will be able to resist the saving power of God on all those he intends to save and all those cultures that he intends to change. So here you have Luke giving us another great statement by Jesus, saying that on the day of Pentecost, He is going to pour out His Holy Spirit, and nothing will ever be the same in the church again. You say, yeah, well, but the people of the Old Testament had the Holy Spirit. Well, whatever the Holy Spirit did in the lives of believers in the Old Testament today, He does more abundantly. The imagery that I like to use, which isn't fully adequate... But in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit trickled down on the believers. And in the New Testament, he has been abundantly poured out. So that whatever blessings the Holy Spirit gave to his people of God in the Old Testament, now to the people of God today, it is abundant blessings. And there is nothing <clears throat> that can hold back the Spirit-baptized church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you were a member of that great church for which Christ shed his precious blood, then that means that the Holy Spirit is in your life and he is clothing each and every one of you with his power. It wasn't just given to the original Christians at Pentecost, beloved. Oh, they may have had responded differently than we do today. <coughs> there may have been things happened that, then that God doesn't intend to happen today. But basically... The thrust is that God hath closed us with this power that we might be used in taking his message to the world and see the conversions of sinners. We are clothed with majesty from on high. We are clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit. <coughs> 
So let's look at some of the things the Holy Spirit does. We see in John 14 some of the things that the Holy Spirit does in each and every one of us having been poured out on us. John 14, 16, and 17. Jesus is talking and he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in, in, will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will behold me no more, but you will behold me because I live. You will live also. In that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Look at verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So here Jesus is explaining what that promise is. What happens when the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the people of God? It is, first of all, something the world knows absolutely nothing about. But it is something that empowers us. It is something that stimulates us. That is what the helper means. But in the King James Version, the word is comforter. And that is a misleading word today because of what we mean by comfort in the 21st century. Today, people mean by comforter a tranquilizer. In fact, I heard a preacher one time preach that the Holy Spirit has poured out upon us to be our tranquilizer, to make us peaceful. And the last thing we need is a tranquilizer. But people don't understand the word comfort today. The best word for comfort is stimulator. The Holy Spirit is the one who stimulates and that strengthens and the one who empowers. And then in verse 26, it is the Holy Spirit who helps us by teaching us to understand what the Bible says and to bring to our remembrance everything that Christ has taught us. In John chapter 16, verse 33, we read, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak of his own initiative. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall take of mine and shall disclose it to you. So what, the Holy, what does the Holy Spirit do to clothe you and me in power? He takes what belongs to Christ. He takes what Christ has purchased for us by his once-for-all death on the cross, and he brings those very things into our lives. He brings faith and repentance, and strength, and perseverance, and many, many, many other blessings into our lives. All of them making us strong and steadfast men and women, full of hope and boldness and faith. So you see here, the last thing Luke has Jesus saying is that he is going to give us a promise. He says, I have given you a tremendous global task. And it includes every single one of you. Now, he addressed the apostles who are the foundation of the church. So then he is, of course, addressing us as the church built upon that foundation. You and me. And here's the task I'm giving you. Here is what I want you to do. And here is the power that will be sufficient to enable you to resist and deflect anything that the world throws at you. So there should be nothing, nothing, beloved, holding us back. Nothing 
should be holding any of you back from being witnesses for Christ. Are you praying, okay, Lord, bring people into my life that I can tell your gospel message to. Lord, give me a heart for the lost. Don't allow me to be a condemner, but someone who reaches out to the unsaved, showing them the way to our great Lord and Savior. Are you taking every opportunity to speak of God's grace and mercy with those who need to hear of Christ's salvific work? Or are you simply too busy fretting about the evil all around us and the forces behind it? Are you praying for your children and teaching them to be witness bearers for Christ? There is absolutely nothing more important than teaching your children of the grace and the mercy of God and how to live out God's truth in their lives so that others are drawn to them and through them to Christ. It is the preaching and witnessing of the gospel, beloved, that will advance the kingdom of God. That is the tool along with the empowering of the Holy Spirit that will bring about the peace and joy that is spoken of so much this time of the year. We are called to be witnesses. We all can testify to what we were and what we are now and what made the difference. We must bear witness to the gospel to everyone God brings across our path and gives us the opportunity to bear witness to. We have the power. So I ask you, Why aren't we? To be frank, why is it that Baptists, with a faulty view of salvation, are known for evangelism and not Presbyterians? We are empowered, beloved. God has set his love on us. How can we be silent? Well, after Jesus gives his church the Great Commission and the promise of his Holy Spirit... Then he leads his 11 apostles to a place near Bethany on the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives, the same ridge where Calvary is. And with them all around him, he ascended into heaven out of their sight. And that is, why the book of, that is how the book of Luke ends. Let's read it again, verse 50. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising him. Now make sure you have the picture here. The ascension was physical. They saw the body of Jesus ascend up into the clouds until they couldn't see him anymore. So that the ascension of Christ wouldn't become some kind of spiritual thing to them. It was truly as physical as his death and as physical as his resurrection. Now this was Jesus, the man ascending in his humanity, in his physical body. Here at the end of the book of Luke, Jesus is ascending into heaven with his hands raised as an Old Testament priest. Blessing his people. Beloved, don't ever let that image leave your mind. That is the last view of Jesus that the apostles had while he was on earth. But as we all know, they will see him again. While he was ascending into heaven, blessings of the Holy Spirit were streaming from his hands into the lives and histories of his people and the future of his church. And that is the last way they saw him as a New Testament prophet standing 
to bless God's people. And as he ascended, it says they worshipped him. Finally. I mean, these apostles wear you out throughout the first 20 through 23 verses of Luke. Chapters of Luke. They're always getting into trouble. They're always arguing who's going to be first in the kingdom. And they're always missing the point. And now they know who he is. They heard the resurrected Jesus voice. It's me. It is I myself. Now they really understand what he's talking about. Now these 11 apostles are different. And they will remain so until they die martyrs' deaths. They are trustworthy. You can believe everything that comes out of their mouths as they are inspired by the Holy Spirit. These are Christ's men now. And so they worship him as God incarnate as he ascends into heaven. And they kept watching him until he disappeared into the clouds. And then they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Beloved, can you imagine all of this? And they were continually in the temple there in Jerusalem, worshiping and praising God. Now, why were they in the temple? Why was it that the first thing they did was go back to the temple? Well, I believe there are several reasons. Number one, because that is where most of the Jewish people would be. And they had great news to tell them. They had something to herald. They had something to bear witness to. But also because still, as of this point, the temple in Jerusalem was what 12-year-old Jesus said it was 20 years earlier. This is my Father's house. This is the most holy place in the entire universe. The temple reminds them of God's reconciliation to sinners through the Lord Jesus Christ, the the Son of the Father, whose house this is. And they went to worship that God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the Jewish temple. But because the Jews rejected Christ, remember, that ended in 70 AD when God used the Romans to burn down the temple. The Bible teaches us, though, in Romans 11, that someday... Sometime, through the preaching of the gospel, all Jewish people who are alive at that point in time will be converted to the Lord Jesus Christ and will worship him and see in him the true temple where God lives and will be reconciled to him. So the apostles go back to the temple singing for joy and praising God. Beloved, that is exactly how the book of Luke begins. John the Baptist's father was at the temple. Simeon was at the temple. Jesus is brought to the temple. Jesus teaches the rabbis in the temple. The book of Luke begins and ends with the temple of God. It begins also with the singing of the angels and the singing of Mary in the Magnificat. And how does it end? It ends in the temple praising God and rejoicing that the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, has arisen from the dead. And now is ascended to God's right hand to send forth God's Holy Spirit and to be the Lord of everything that is and to guarantee that all the promises that God has made will come true and to guarantee that every time the gospel is heralded and every time it is borne witness to, people will be able to hear the very voice of God. Oh, not everyone, but when his people hear his voice, they will come to him in faith. When they hear his voice through you, the ascended reigning Christ by the power of the Spirit, when they hear his voice through you, who are clothed with the power from on high, you will see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. Praise 
God for His ascension. Take seriously, beloved, all the implications of it for your life. Listen to these words as I close from this hymn on the ascension taken from our own hymnal. Golden gates are lifted up. The doors are opened wide. The king of glory is gone unto his father's side. Thou art gone up before us, Lord, to make for us a place that we may be where thou art and upon God's and look upon God's face. And even on our earthly path, a gleam of glory lies. A light still breaks behind the cloud that veiled thee from our eyes. Lift up our hearts. Lift up our minds. Let thy dear grace be given that while we wander here below, our treasure is in heaven. That where thou art at God's right hand, our hope, our love may dwell. Dwell there in us, that we may dwell forevermore in thee. Thou hast raised our human nature in the clouds to God's right hand. There we sit in heavenly places. There with thee in glory stand. Jesus reigns adored by angels. Man with God is on the throne. Mighty Lord, in thine ascension we by faith behold our own. Because he ascended into heaven, we who are true believers by grace shall make that same ascension. And as, as one old Puritan said, because there is dust, that being the body of Christ, at the foot of the throne of God, that guarantees that our dust shall be there too. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484, Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.